0: Hi there, I'm James Dafferty and this is Coffee and a Case Note. Today we're talking about a dispute that had its roots in 1948 and that was commenced in 2013 and that related to a piece of land with a value potentially in excess of 40 million dollars. It's complex stuff, we're going to work our way through it together, it's going to be good fun, I promise. The specific piece of litigation we're dealing with today is an application by the receivers who were appointed by the court back in 2014 as part of this litigation. And the receivers are coming to the court to seek advice, to seek the court's advice, judicial advice, as to whether they would be justified in accepting an offer, entering into a settlement deed that would settle the entirety of this dispute. Uh, So that's what we're doing today, the receiver coming to the court to say, is it all right if I settle this claim on these terms? Now, the way this all came to be, is fairly complex. So I alluded to that timeline earlier. 1948, uh, a predecessor organisation of some of the organisations involved in this litigation arises. Uh, There are assets that change hands over time, there are various other pieces of litigation we won't get to today, Um, but in 2013 there are some interlocutory orders made in this piece of litigation that's commenced then and there are these receivers appointed things bubble along a couple of years later there's a mediation that essentially takes four years to reach a settlement deed in 2019 now that settlement deed purports to deal with the legal costs relating to this litigation but does not deal with additional costs so if I can just have that planted in your mind that these parties have been you you know at war or in dispute for years years and years and years and years in 2019 there's a deed that deals with lots of stuff Um, but not all the stuff. There's this outstanding issue of additional costs, among other things, that arises. In any case, time passes, a negotiation is entered into between the receiver and related parties on one side, and between the plaintiffs on the other side who are agitating things, and there is correspondence exchange, letters go back and forth, and we end up arriving at a draft deed, and that draft deed is the one we're discussing today, that is the proposed settlement. And the nature of that proposed settlement is what we lawyers sometimes call a walk away. Essentially it says, look, let's dismiss all the proceedings, let's have no orders made as to costs, meaning that your claim goes away, my claim goes away, Uh, you pay your own lawyers, I'll pay my own lawyers, we'll all just go our separate ways. And that there will also be mutual releases between ourselves, that I'll release you from everything related to this stuff, you'll release me from everything related to this stuff. And what the receiver does is come to the court to seek judicial advice to say, Hey, court, would I be justified in entering into the deed on these terms? Now, judicial advice is something that is available to trustees of trusts. They can come to the court and ask essentially a yes-no question to say, Hey, court, would I be justified in going ahead in a certain path, sometimes distributing money or retaining money and things like that? Uh, Liquidators can do it, bankruptcy trustees can do it, and the court noted in this instance, receivers can do it pursuant to a piece of case law that was cited um, by the receiver applicants in this case. And so, yes, receivers can come to the court and ask a question like this, Why would receivers come to do that or why would trustees, liquidators, bankruptcy trustees do it in a different circumstance? The answer to that is that they'd seek the safety and protection because they can't be criticised in certain ways if they've proceeded in a manner in accordance with the court's advice. So um, the court turns to um, some of the relevant law in relation to judicial advice to trustees and finds confidently that well, judicial advice to receivers can extend to approving or not approving a certain proposed settlement of a claim. So, the infrastructure's in place, right? We've got this draft deed on the table, we've got the court understanding that is empowered to give advice to the receiver as to yes or no, whether he'd be justified entering into this arrangement or not. And so, the court says, well, what do we need to consider in order for us to give this advice? And the court considers the way to look at it is to say, let's compare the world if the deed was entered into and the world if the deed was not entered into. And uh, based on that reflection, we're gonna be in a position to give our advice. Now, uh, the world uh, where the deed is entered into is a world where all claims are gone, all claims on one side of the uh, litigation and all claims on the other because there are mutual releases. And so the court says, well, that's an important consideration for the receiver because the receiver has the benefit of uh, a couple of heads of possible claim against the other parties. One of those is the undertaking as to damages made by the plaintiffs way back in 2013 when they sought an interlocutory injunction and they got it. We don't need to go too deeply into the law relating to interlocutory injunctions, but basically if you want one, you give an undertaking to pay the other side's damages in relation to any loss if it turns out there was no foundation for the injunction, essentially. And so, because that injunction remains in place, that undertaking to pay these damages remains on foot. And if the receiver entered into this deed, then the receiver is folding away their rights to rely on that undertaking to seek some money. So that's one of the things that the receiver would lose if the receiver entered into the deed. So the court says, hmm, we'll have to think about that. Another thing the receiver would lose is any additional costs in the 2019 deed. Remember we spoke about the 2019 settlement deed, And that deed purported to deal with legal costs relating to the litigation and said, yep, all those um, we're going to be silent on and each party can bear their own, but any additional costs remained open to dispute. And so if the receiver entered into the deed, um, he would be losing the right to rely on the undertaking as to damages and losing the right to rely on any claim relating to additional costs arising from this 2019 deed. So that is the universe where the offer is accepted. The court says, right, that's, that's one set of circumstances. And essentially, that's going to be a commercial calculus. That's going to be a consideration for the receiver to work through. What, is the, what are the commercial implications of the undertaking as the damages and the additional costs falling away? That's something for the receiver to think about. The other parallel universe where the draft deed is not entered into is one that includes the plaintiffs going ahead with a notice of appeal that they've lodged, so it's the dispute going ahead to the Court of Appeal um, with orders made back in around, I think, June 2023 open for contest. Um, they might win the appeal, they might lose the appeal, there might be cost orders, there might not be cost orders, there might be challenges in enforcing the additional costs or the undertaking as to damages referred to earlier. and so. In essence, if we don't end into the deed, what we might say very broadly is we get uncertainty. And if we do enter the deed, we get certainty. And that certainty is a commercial consideration for the receiver to make. And what the court says in addressing fairly directly the yes, no question the receiver poses, would the receiver be justified in entering into this draft deed as proposed? The answer the court gives is yes. And so the receiver leaves with their judicial advice. I hope that discussion assisted you in understanding the circumstances in which receivers might obtain judicial advice. And also, you know, it's fun to catch up over a cup of coffee and talk law from time to time. Thanks for your company. Talk again soon. Cheers.